Let's open our spirits up real wide before the Lord. And let's agree in faith that we will hear from him. And we will receive. He knows exactly what we need to hear and see and do right now. And uh, we'll open ourselves up to him. He will surely give it to us. Father, in Jesus' name, we open our spirits up, our hearts, our minds, our lives. And we say, you are our God. Jesus is our Lord. Your word is first place in our lives. And we ask you for every one of us a heart and a mind able to discern and understand and receive eyes and ears open to see and hear. Let there come answers for things uh, people are dealing with. Let there come uh, direction and help and an anointing and a supply of the Spirit, a quickening that the faint-hearted would be made strong, that the hopeless would find hope and encouragement, and that the strong would become even stronger. We ask it in Jesus' name, and we know you're real, and we we love you and, and have faith in you, and we say whatever you say to us, by your grace we intend to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Somebody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. Now, I think you're going to want to take notes tonight. There are a number of things that uh, I believe we should cover and get into, and uh, it'd be great if we had several sessions to spend on the one thing that we're going to be looking at tonight, but I don't think that's the plan of God. I think we should, we, it should be condensed into something tonight. So uh, we'll get it, stay on it, and move forward. Phyllis and I just celebrated 37 years of marriage. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, a lot of years, I guess uh, over 30 of those years in the ministry together. And um, we don't claim to know everything about it. We believe that what God said about it is right. And that we're to do what he told us to do. And if we'll do that, if you continue in his word, Jesus said, he said, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. And what will that truth do for you? Come on in. There's power in what he said. To make you and I totally free. You know the Lord's words. Are not just information. When he says something. It's not just knowledge. It is knowledge. And it's wisdom and understanding. And a whole lot of things. But it's not just knowledge and information. It's power. When God said. Let there be light. Or light be. He wasn't just chatting about light. To the angels. And when he tells you and I. Be strong. Walk in love. Be, walk in faith. Believe me. Whatever he tells you. If you couldn't do it. Before he told you. Once he told you to do it. 
Now you can because his word was not just a command, not just a directive. It was an enabling. It was an empowerment. And when he tells it to you, you can do it. It's like Peter in the boat saying, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And at that moment, could Peter get out and walk on the water? No. Why? He just asked a question. But when Jesus said, come, it wasn't just instruction, it was empowerment. And he stepped out on that word and did what the Lord told him to do. How many believe that the thing that you or I had not been able to do, hearing from the Lord can change all of that? I said it can change all of it. It might be true. You might have failed in this area, not been able to do it, not been able to do it. Your spouse not been able to do it. But hearing from him and receiving it can change it all. Say it out loud. His words empower me. Enable me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Marriage is not an entirely successful enterprise in the generation we live in. We're told that approximately, depending on who you're listening to, 40%, some say 50% of all modern marriages, marriages that have occurred now and in recent times, have ended in divorce. They didn't make it. The statistics are that second marriages, some 65% of them, not making it. Third marriages, some 75%, not making it. Once you've quit, it can be easier to quit again. The statistics are there. But uh, in talking about marriages ending in divorce, there's a lot of people in this room and a lot of people in Sarasota Church and a lot of people watching by internet that have uh, had divorces. And uh, Millions and millions of people. These statistics that I just mentioned to you, you're talking about millions and millions of people. And anybody that's been married very long and overcome any trials and tests would not be quick to throw a stone at somebody that divorced. Why did they divorce? You know why. (laughs) Right? Because when marriages are not right, they can be hellish. They can be tormenting. It's quiet in here, isn't it? <laughs> you know us. We're not going to play around with it. Amen. Right? That's right. And the good news is there are answers. Yes, sir. I said there are answers to all these things we're talking about. From God in His Word. When we're talking about, well, let me, let me give you the, the modern statistics for every 
million marriages a year in the U.S. It's estimated that 1.2 are divorces. 1.2 million divorces just in our country every year. Well, out of those millions of people, how many of them started out good? How many of them started out, when I, when I say good, I mean enjoying each other's company? I was reminded of a phrase. Let's see if any of you know this. We got married in a fever. <laughs> Hotter than a pepper sprout. <laughs> How many knows what that is? Come on, let me see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what Johnny and June cash. And they had been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. <laughs> and then, of course, of blues fame is uh, Mr. B.B. King. The thrill is gone. <laughs> but the, these people start many of them. Well, why would you get married to begin with? You know, in a lot of these, especially in today's society, it's not like you have to get married to be accepted by society. So there's a reason why they got married. So many of these people were, if you use the terminology, head over heels in love with each other. They treasured each other. They were infatuated with each other. They loved spending time together. And then as they got married and as their relationship progressed, something changed. Something happened over the course of time. And the, uh, the infatuation they had with each other's persons and looks the amazing sex they had together, none of those things was enough to overcome what they encountered. But how many understand we need to acknowledge they had feelings for each other? A lot of folks in this room been divorced. And you were in love with that person. But you're being in love and all the other things that came with that was not enough. Was not enough. I've heard people say, well, the problem is this and the problem is that. Well, the problem is communication. If they had had good enough communication, they could have made it. Are you sure? Well, they weren't talking to each other. They weren't expressing each other. Well, maybe it wasn't just Expressing but what they had to express. You can be communicating perfectly. Tell me how you really feel. I hate your guts. <laughs> and can't stand to be around. Well, they're communicating. Are, are you sure you're being free? I'm telling you exactly how I feel. Is it really perfect communication that would save the marriages? What is it? that enables some people 
to overcome what other people did not. Anybody got any ideas? (laughs) I heard God and you're right about that. But do we have a part to play? Is it just all, if it's just all God, then everybody would get the same results. What part do we have to play? Somebody said, well, love. Love overcomes all. Well, you're not far wrong there. I mean, love never fails, but these people loved each other. Right? They were in love. Now, walking in the love of God and being in love with another person is not the same thing. Being so-called in love has more to do with infatuation. And a whole lot of it's selfish. It's actually self-love. I love you. I need you. I can't live without you is not loving them. It's loving what they do for you. And if they quit doing it for you, then the thrill is gone. gone. (laughs) The fire went out. And it's happening to the tune of 1.2 million couples just in our country every year. And we're we're not throwing any stones. We're not judging anybody. And any of us that have stayed together for any length of time, we know it was with the Lord's help, with His grace. But what is the difference? When people get divorced, one of the popular causes listed, can anybody know? Irreconcilable differences, which is equivalent to some people saying no fault. Irreconcilable differences. Have you heard that before? You know you have. What is that? Let me give you a definition from legal sources. What are irreconcilable differences? In most states, it says a spouse may get a no-fault divorce based on a breakdown of the marriage. Some states refer to this breakdown of a marriage as irreconcilable differences. It means you and your spouse can't agree on basic fundamental issues involving the marriage, your family, etc., and you will never agree. That's the definition. What are irreconcilable differences? You don't agree, and you're not going to agree. It says, when you and your spouses completely fail to agree, there's the word again, on how to raise your children, such differences of opinion on discipline, religious issues, are common sources of irreconcilable differences. No matter the reason, the differences must be so strong that it is clear to a judge that there is no chance the marriage can be saved. Because of what? Irreconcilable differences. What does that mean? That means they don't agree and have decided they are never going to agree. So there's no hope. 
So what's this about? Agreement. And we know there are scriptures that talk about that. How can two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? But yet, rewind it some. You must have thought you agreed on something. Right? I said, you must have thought you agreed on something. Or you wouldn't have spent so much time together. And you wouldn't have got married and planned on spending the rest of your life together. And yet, even though you loved each other, even though you thought each other were amazing, you ran into something that you did not agree on. And you just kept on not agreeing on it. And then, lo and behold, there was something else you realized that you don't agree on either. <laughs> you should see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. People are going. <laughs> should you focus on what you don't agree on? Or should you focus on what you do agree on? Let's just talk about the body of Christ worldwide. If we focus on our doctrinal differences... And we examine each other and scrutinize each other. What do I not agree with you about? We will be convinced there's no basis for fellowship. Because we got nothing in common. And yet it's a lie. How can I be a child of God and you be a child of God. And both of us have faith in Jesus and love God. And believe in this Bible and have nothing in common. It's a lie. But when you focus on the negative, it's a dark slope that gets darker the further you go down it. And the more you talk about and think about what you don't agree on, what you don't have in common, the more the enemy is able to bring some other things that you hadn't even thought about. Why? Because you are open to the not agreeing channel. You can emphasize the differences and disagreements or you can de-emphasize them. You can say, well, everybody disagrees about some things here and there. What about this? We agree about this. And we agree on this. And the more you talk about what you agree on, the more other things you will think of and realize that you agree on. And your awareness of your agreement increases. Whatever you talk about. Whatever you meditate on grows bigger in your life. You become more aware. If you talk problems, you're going to become more aware of problems. And you're going to realize problems you didn't even know that you could be aware of. And you're just going to be problem-minded. And it's going to get darker and you're going to get more and more negative, And it's your own fault for where you're letting your mind stay. Didn't the Bible say that will keep him in perfect peace? Whose mind... Is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And to be carnally minded is death. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, what if you are depressed and dejected and tormented? What do we know? You have been being carnally minded. You have not been keeping your mind stayed on the Lord. I don't care what you say. Because if you had been, he would have been keeping you in perfect peace. Is that right? 
So when you see people that are tied up in knots and they're full of bitterness and they're full of anger, no matter what the other person did, they are at fault for letting themselves dwell on this night and day instead of what the Lord told you to think on. You, me, whoever. Because it is, is it possible as a child of God, by the greater one inside, by the Lord's help, to have peace in the midst of the worst storm? Come on, is it possible to have light and life and the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, when other people are falling apart? Is it possible? It is. But it's up to us where we choose to put our mind. Now, what this phrase is describing when it talks about irreconcilable differences is that one or both parties have become immovable. Well, I'm not doing that. Well, I'm not doing that. You come to an impasse. Well, I'm, I just can't live like that. Well, I'm not going to live like that. What are we talking about? Irreconcilable differences, which means don't agree. Well, I just, I don't agree with you. That, well, I, don't, I can't agree with you on that. I can't go along with that. Well, I can't go along with that. And when the two parties become immovable, You're in trouble. I said you're in trouble. Because what's going to happen? If that is not fixed, things are going to begin to dry up. It can't help but deteriorate and die. Because there's block. Blocking off the flow of life. Now, People have sought all kind of solutions to the not being able to agree. And you hear all kind of slogans like, well, marriage is a lot of give and take. It requires a lot of give and take. And what verse is that? (laughs) And a lot of people that believed that are now divorced. There is a word. Hated by the world. There is a word that won't even, that that many preachers won't even speak. (laughs) There's a word that is the solution when there is no agreement. You know what it is? Somebody needs. To submit. And friend, that is why some couples, some families, some churches make it when others don't, is because when they hit that impasse, when they hit that we're we're not going to agree on this, somebody submitted. And they could go on. The world despises submission. And don't assume you know what I'm going to say about all this. The world's idea of submission is a total 
loss of freedom. There you are with me. That if you submit or you are submissive, you will totally lose your identity and your self-respect and your freedom. And that what submission is, is archaic, religious, intolerable oppression. That thank God we've been delivered from. (laughs) But that's what the devil has twisted it into in the minds of those who don't know and don't understand. You know what submission really is? Submission Besides being God's command and plan, submission is the key to survival. It is God's saving grace in unfixable situations. It is how you make it through when millions won't. And here's a key. Submission applies just as much to the man as it does to the woman, the subject of submission, walking in submission. Somebody say, Selah. Now, y'all prayed and told me you'd help me with this, right? And y'all, didn't you? You said you'd believe with me? We're going all the way through. Is that right? (laughs) Go to James 4, please. James 4. The world does not acknowledge this solution. But what happens when two people can't agree anymore? When you reach that irreconcilable difference. Is it true? That the relationship, the marriage, if you're talking about ministry or church or whatever, the the union, the connection is hopeless. It can't be repaired. It's We just need to acknowledge, I'm never going to agree with you. You're never going to agree with me. You go your way, I'll go mine. No, there's a solution. It's called submission. And it is the way to get past This intractable position. Somebody needs to submit. Now you might be already saying, well, okay, but who? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad you asked that because God has already told us who. (laughs) Oh boy. James, the fourth chapter. Verse 6 says, He, God, gives more grace. Another way of saying this, how are you going to make it through where others didn't, where millions of others didn't? It'll be by the grace of God. But did you know that not everyone qualifies for His grace? Say what? Read the rest of the verse. God gives more grace. He not only gives grace, he'll give you more grace. And I really believe with enough of God's grace, you can get through anything. Is that right? His grace is his help. It's his knowledge, his understanding, his strength, his favor, his ability. All of that's in his grace. And with enough of his help, 
You can get through anything. You can get through something two million people didn't get through. Right? With enough grace. But who's going to get the grace? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The proud don't qualify for the grace to get you through. The humble get the grace. Reckon there's any connection with humility and submission. Keep reading. It's right here. <laughs> What's the next word? Submit yourselves. Now, is this a wife verse? No, no it's not. <laughs> Boy, I got, a, I got the best response on that. I think I've gotten all night. <laughs> Submit yourselves to who? To God, then do what? Resist. Resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. That's you having a victory. But what comes first, resisting the devil or submitting to God? See, you're not in a position to resist the devil successfully until you have submitted yourself to God. Now, when something is destroyed, it's obvious the destroyer was given access. When marriages are destroyed, when relationships and families are destroyed, we know it's the work of the destroyer. But what we need to understand is how did he get in? Because he can't, if he could just destroy you because he wanted to, there'd be nobody in the house tonight. But he can't. The only way he can really accomplish things is, is if you and I yield and give him place. And if you look at the previous verse, you see God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride is completely ungodlike. God is not proud. Jesus is, has no pride in him at all. Didn't he say, come learn about me? Amen. I am what? Meek. Lowly of heart. We, we use pride in some positive ways in our generation and vernacular, and we should not. You want to get out of your head that there is any good form of pride. Because what it is, is the very nature of the devil himself. God does what with the proud? How are you going to come out if not only are you not getting helped of God, but you're being resisted of God? Well, you're not going to make it. If we're not yielding to the Lord, submitting ourselves to Him, what are we doing? If we're not yielding to God, what are we doing? See, to do one, to refuse to do the one is to do the other. When the devil came to tempt Adam and Eve, he was after a lot more. <laughs> than just talking them into not listening to God. When he convinced them to not submit to God's direction and command for their life, in essence, what did they turn around and do? They yielded to him. Come on, can you see that? And when they yielded to him, it let him in. And he was able to usurp their authority. Come on, can you see this? And affect death and curse. Throughout the earth. And even to this day. He's called the God of this world. There's coming a time that's going to be stopped. 
I'm going to shout over it. How about you? Go with me to Ephesians. Go with me to Ephesians, please, the second chapter. In Ephesians 2 and 1, he says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. The God of this world is, he's rebellion personified. You talk about obstinate, defiant, proud, rebellious, disobedient, that is the devil, he is all these things personified to their nth degree. And everywhere he has influence, you will find that come out. And it's not hard to see. There is a blanket of rebellious, defiant attitude all over this planet. Isn't it? Little ones. Hadn't been in the world two years. Will look at you and go, No! No! I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do it. That ain't funny. There's nothing. I know it might, might look cute from one angle, but you are hearing the very nature. I didn't say the child had a devil and need to be cast out. But you are hearing... You are hearing the spirit of disobedience that this whole world is immersed in. And unless you and I have a lot of word in us and we choose to walk in it, we will be influenced by this spirit of disobedience. And you can justify it all kind of reasons and ways that you want to. But what it comes down to is at some point you're going to put your foot down and you're going to say no. No, I'm not giving in. Well, if you're talking to the devil and you're resisting sin or you're resisting something, that's a good thing. But if you're talking to somebody the Lord put over you, now you are in defiance to the Lord himself and yielding to the spirit of disobedience. And if you do that, don't submit to God but you yield to that, you've let the enemy into your life, you'll begin to see destruction around about you. Things will begin to die and begin to be reduced. You'll begin to lose this and lose that. The destroyer is in your house. And how was he let in? Instead of choosing to submit, choose to rebel. Now, I have rebelled. I don't even have to ask you if you ever have or not. I, I have been defiant when I should have been submissive. I have rebelled when I should have obeyed. I have talked back when I should have said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and, and kept my mouth shut about the rest of it. But... There is such a a lack of knowledge and understanding in the modern generation and body. A lot of folks don't even see that 
who Jesus is and how he is. What did he say? Learn of me. I am what? I am what? Meek and lowly of heart. And people think being defiant, well, they, they just, they have their own personality. Is it rebellion? Is it defiance? To do so is to yield to the enemy and let him in. The destroyer begins to destroy. But if we'll submit to God. Come on, think with me now. A husband is submitting to God. A wife is submitting to God. Both the husband and the wife are submitting to those the Lord told them to submit to. When the enemy comes in and tries to do things against them and hinder their relationship and tear up their family, they are submitting to God. Come on, tell me what they can do. They can join together and resist the devil. Come on, are you listening to me? And put him out of there just like that. But if one or both are yielding to the devil, they're yielding to rebellion, they're yielding to defiance, they're yielding to the spirit of disobedience, you can holler and make confessions and stomp your feet all you want to, but the devil is going to tear up your house. We need to identify this devilish stuff and make up our mind we're not going to be like that anymore. It begins with the desire. Would you open yourself up to pray about it right now? Just close your eyes and say it out loud with me. Father God, I see Jesus is meek, lowly of heart, completely submissive, completely obedient to you and what you told him. I want to know about how to be humble, how to be submissive, how to be obedient. Just like my master, I'm asking you to show me more and grace me and help me to do it and to be it according to your perfect will and plan in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, please, to Matthew, the 26th chapter. What can get you through things that other people find impassable? Grace of God, but who's going to get that grace? The humble and submissive. Do you understand a lot of people are not qualifying for that grace? Now, it's necessary to define submission. What submission is, and then I want to give you three things that submission is not. If you look up the definitions, submission literally means to be under to be under. It also means to yield to, to give place to, to give in to. If two people reach an impasse, they don't agree, they're not going to give in, what's going to happen? If nobody ever gives in, this thing can reach its end. This so-called irreconcilable. Differences. We don't agree and we're never going to agree. But what could get you past that point? Come on, help me out. What could get you past that point? Somebody <laughs> submit. Somebody humble themselves. Somebody give in and say, okay, we'll do it your way. We'll do what you say. 
And the world hates it because the devil hates it. Man, it is stuck in his craw, so to speak. He, from ancient times past, he, God created him a brilliant, beautiful being. He was in the presence of God. Who knows everything he enjoyed and everything he had and how long that went on. But at some point, he got tired of God being God. And him always having to be the one to give in. And him always having to be the one to obey. And him always having to be the one to say, oh God, yes, oh God, yes, you're, oh yeah, you're God, you're God, you're God. And he got to dwelling on that and thinking, I don't have to listen to him. It was birthed in him. I'm not going to listen to him. And some way or another, he must be a smooth talker. Some way or another, he convinced a bunch of the other angels, you don't have to live under God's rule. You can be your own angel. (laughs) And I don't know how he convinced them, but he did. And he infected them with that same spirit of disobedience, that same rebellious attitude. Until they defied God. Everybody say stupid. Stupid. That's stupid. Yes. Not because God had been mean to them or done anything. They just. They don't want to be under anybody anymore. They don't want to be under God anymore. Rebellious. Submission is taking your place under. The one you're supposed to be under. Giving them their place over you and taking your place under them. When it says submit yourself to God, what does that mean? It means you acknowledge God is my creator. I wouldn't exist except for him. I wouldn't have a breath. I wouldn't enjoy any good thing. I owe my entire existence to him. And he sent Jesus as my Lord and Savior and Redeemer. And he said he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And so he is. He is. He's my King. He's my Lord. And you submit yourself to him. That means you are not equal with him in place. He's over you. Now see this big push. Even in the church. We're all equal. We're all equal. Nobody's better than anybody else. Well, we ain't talking about better. We're all equal as far as God loving us the same and all having the same righteousness and the same rights to healing and being filled with the Spirit and our needs met, but we don't all have the same place. God's given different place. And he's told us, this one is over you. And if you don't take your place under them in that situation, then you're not just defying them, you're defying the one who put them over you. Come on, can you see this? And in doing so, you're giving place to the enemy. You're yielding to him, the original rebel. You don't want anything to do with rebellion. It's not cool. It's deadly. They tell us that actually the divorce rate is a little bit less right now than it was in the 70s and 80s. 
it was actually higher in the 70s and 80s than since then and now. Let me tell you why. You know what came before the 70s and 80s? The 60s. Counter culture. Anti-establishment. Rebel against everything and everybody. And we're still suffering from all of that as a society. And though we're in the world... We're not of the world. We don't have to be conformed to the way the world thinks. They see submission and obedience as oppression and loss of identity. We see it as the freedom it actually is. We see it as the way through things other people can't make it through. We see it as following in the footsteps of our master and being like our Jesus. Tell me what submission is. Taking your place under who you're supposed to be submitting to. Giving them the place over you. Now this brings us to the the next part. What submission is not. Number one, I'm going to give you three things. Number one, submission is not agreement. Say it out loud. Submission Submission is not not agreement. Why are so many people getting divorced? They don't agree. Right? So what's it time to do when we don't agree? It's time for somebody to submit. Now if you agree, you're not submitting. You only have an opportunity to submit when you don't agree. I've had people tell me, well, now, Brother Keith, uh, uh, you know, submission's always been easy for me, which is actually number two. <laughs> submission is not easy for anybody, ever. Come on, did you hear that phrase? I'm going to prove it to you from the scriptures. Submission is not easy for anybody, ever. If you think it is, you don't know what it is. But I've had more than one person tell me, Brother Keith, you know, submission's always been easy for me. And you'll hear these same people say, well, now, usually I submit. But on this, <laughs> I just cannot agree. Well, the truth is, this is the first opportunity you've had to submit in a while. And you are refusing to. <laughs> tell me what submission is not. It's not agreement. When are you in a situation to submit? With good people, you can sail along days at a time, weeks at a time, sometimes longer than that. And they say, let's do this. And you go, yeah, sounds good to me. Do this. Okay, great. Want you to do this. Okay. Want you to do this. Okay. But I don't care if it's husband and wife. I don't care if it's working in the church or a ministry or what you're talking about. Employee, employer. There's going to come a time when they're going to say, we're going to do this. And your flesh and mine's going to go, no, 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 no. 
And you, you may even say, now look, I've prayed too. <laughs> and I can hear from God too. <laughs> and that's when people say, uh, you know, usually I submit, but on this, I, ju- I just can't agree. No, you haven't had an opportunity to submit until now. And you're blowing it. You're absolutely refusing to. Thirdly, and this will keep this whole subject square and right and keep you from getting into error. Submission is not being forced. Submission is not someone making you do something. If you read the verses you see again and again, it said, submit yourself to God. You younger, submit yourself to the elder. Submit to this one. You this one, submit to that one. You submit yourself. Who's going to submit you to them in God's things? Either you submit yourself or it's not going to happen. And if you're over somebody and even if you know they're supposed to submit to you, well, what if they don't? Well, then they don't. What if they won't? Well, then they won't. But you are not to try to make them. Ever. Give me the three things submission is not. It's not agreement. It's not easy. Y'all got that one right. What else is it? It is not being forced or made to do something. Now we can go to Matthew. Thanks be to God. Who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ? By Him, by His grace, I can overcome. Is that right? I can make it where other people don't. Phyllis and I can make it through things that other married couples don't make it through. This church can make it through things. Not because we're smarter or better than somebody else, it's because we've learned, hallelujah, how to do it. What happens when you, when you butt heads? What happens when you reach an impasse? Y'all are a little bit too quiet. You know the answer. You just don't not sure if you want to say it yet or not. What happens when you reach an impasse? Somebody needs to submit. And it'll be when you're not in agreement. You don't agree. You definitely don't agree. And will it be easy for you? It will not be easy for you. You will have to put your flesh under. You'll have to bite your lip. You'll have to get a hold of your feelings. Come on, are you listening to me? You'll have to crucify your flesh to do it. Can you do it? By the help of God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And what folks haven't realized, people that have refused to do that, they have said, I am going to have my say and I am going to have my way. And countless homes have been destroyed. And marriages have been devastated. And churches have been torn up. Because they had their say and they had their way. But was it worth the price they paid? And was it the only way it could go? No. Somebody could have submitted. Somebody could have given in. And had a right heart and attitude about it. Might have even found out in a few months or years that you should have agreed to start with. Or even if the other person was wrong. You find out, well, hey, 
I'm not the one over this. That's between them and God. Right? Yep. Pray for them. <laughs> yep. But you're good with God because you did what he told you to do. Yeah. Yes. Matthew 26 and 37. Jesus took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He said to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. What's going on inside the master? What's he dealing with? Is this easy for him? No, it's not. Keep reading. He went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed and he said, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What is Jesus' will? Right here, right now. To not take this cup of suffering. Which we don't even know fully what he's talking about. As awful as it was, he's not just talking about the physical scourging and being nailed to the cross. He's talking about being made sin with all the sin of humanity and being separated from the Father and the full brunt of the judgment of God coming down. We don't even know fully what that is. And Jesus is looking that full in the face. And he basically is saying, I don't want to do this. Is his will in line with the Father's exactly right here? No, no. No. Which also proves he's not the Father. Amen. They are two separate persons. Elsewhere, he's, he'd be saying, not my will, but my will be done. <laughs> I'm not trying to be humorous. It's just not, that doctrine's not true. It's not right. He said... Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Keep reading. He come to the disciples and finds them asleep, and he says to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Is he experiencing discomfort? He said, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Should you and I be aware of this? What did he talk about specifically in connection with the spirit being willing, but the flesh being weak? He's talking about submission. Isn't he? Submission. Submitting your will to the will of another. That's what the devil got to the point where he refused to do. But Jesus did not refuse to do it. There was nothing the Father could ask of him that he was unwilling in the end to do. He would submit his own will. To the will of the Father. Keep going. He went away the second time and prayed, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, your will be done. Is he still not wanting to do this? He's not wanting to do it. But he's willing. Come on, can you see this? So is he in agreement with this at this point? I know people don't like saying this, but we need to understand what's happened here. Is Jesus in a position to submit? Absolutely. If he's going to do this, he's going to have to submit. Because this is not what he would choose. If you say, not my will, 
but your will be done. Are we talking about two different wills? Hold your place there, and and they'll put it up on the screen for us. Uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 5 and 7 in the NIV. 5 and 7, NIV. You don't have to turn there. You can stay in Matthew if you want to. He said, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Does that remind you of what we're reading about right here? And we read that he sweat. As it were, great drops of blood. Could you at any stretch call this easy? Nothing about this is easy. And this is the perfect picture of submission. Yet, he was heard because of what? His reverent submission. And although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. This is talking about suffering too. Having to submit your will. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. There is something, we're going to get to this a little bit later. There's something that happens after humility. There's something that happens after submission and obedience. Does anybody know what it is? It is promotion. It is victory. It is being raised up. Come on, are you listening? It's being raised up. Yes. Did Jesus practice submission? Yes. It's not just a wife thing. He's our perfect example. Go back with me please to Matthew. What verse were we on? 42. Matthew 26, 42. Can you find that for us? He went away a second time. There's sometimes you need to pray more than once about these things. Do you have to get a hold of yourself more than once? My father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, your will be done. Keep going. He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. He left them and went away and prayed what? The third time saying what? Exactly the same thing. Which was what? (laughs) I don't want to do this. I'm not in agreement with this. I know that sounds strange to your ears. But what does it mean, not my will, but your will be done if they are the same? What did he pray? Let this cup pass from me. Let me not have to take this and go through this. But just what little we know, we can begin to see on this side of the cross, there was no other way. There was no other price that could redeem us. And he's facing it, but he kept coming back and saying, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Come on, say it out loud for yourself. Not my will, but your will be done. Now see, people have, have said that lightly. They said it, you know, with a with congregation. Oh God, not our will, but your will be done. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what everything in your flesh and soul is crying. No, 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 no. And yet, you do like the master and you come back and you get a hold of yourself and you say, Father, if you tell me to do it, I will do it. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not easy. It's not somebody making you do this. The Father's not going to make you. 
Godly people are not going to make you. But if you do, in order to do that, you have to humble yourself. Don't you? Lay your pride aside. You have to die to having your way. Don't you? And if you'll do, tell me what, tell me what happens for the humble. What does God do with the humble? Grace will begin to flow into you. Oh, come on, are you listening? Grace will begin to flow into you. And you will be empowered and enabled to get through things and overcome and avoid disaster and destruction that millions of people did not make it through. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just lift up our hands and thank the Lord for just a moment. Lord, we thank you that there is a way to make it through when others don't. There is a way, and you are the way. And we worship you. And we thank you. And we praise you, O God. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, please. 1 Corinthians 15. You're going to stay with me until we get through with this, right? I mean, we don't have this meeting every month. Or this is a special time. Do you think if we got these things settled in us and got it right in us tonight, it could affect our life forever? It could change. We could, uh, instead of yielding and letting the enemy destroy our, our house and our marriages and our families, we could do what he told us to do, both husband and wife, and join together and resist the devil, and that's it. Amen. He never even makes any headway with us. Amen. Isn't that the will of God? Yes. But it's going to take us practicing what the world despises which is godly submission. Is it a bad word? Jesus did it. Come on, think of what we're, we're talking about. Could you say this is one of the toughest places in Jesus' life we just got through reading about? How did he make it through that? Come on, think about it. How, how did he get through it? He made it through by his love For the Father and by his trust in the Father, which was demonstrated in his submission to the Father's will. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. It was love that got him through. It was faith that got him through. But that love and faith was demonstrated in his submission to the Father's will, which you begin to see. What does it take to submit? It takes faith to submit. The faith that works by love. When people say, you know, they can't submit because of this, they can't, and it comes back to this, they didn't submit for a lack of faith. That's what it came back to. 1 Corinthians 15. And about verse uh, 20. Well, skip down to verse 28 for time. So. When all, 28. When all things shall be subdued unto the Father, then shall the Son also himself be what? Subject to him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. 
Today's English version says, but when all things have been placed under Christ's rule, then he himself, the son, will place himself under God who placed all things under him and God will rule completely over all. What is submission? Submission is taking your place under and giving them their place over. Is there submission in the Godhead? Think about that statement. The Son submits Himself to the Father. Well, what about believers that think they don't need to submit? Well, they think they're beyond the Master some way. They don't. What got Him through the roughest place in His life? What will get you through the roughest place in your life? Will it be easy? No. And it will occur when you don't get to do something you wanted to do. Or you have to do something you didn't want to do. It'll have to be when you don't agree. I know Phyllis and I both, there have been times in our life when the most we could do in a situation, whether it was personal or ministry, was go in and fall across the bed and go, oh God, I'm putting in a request for a transfer. I, I, I want to do something else. I, I, want to, I don't want to keep doing this. And again and again, the Bible said endure hardness as a good soldier. Again and again, it comes back denied. Denied. So now what do I do? I don't have to. I said I don't have to. You don't have to. So many people, they quit, they leave, they stop. They go, I don't have to take this, and you don't. But you can jump right out of the will of God. Mm, yep. That's it. Right out of his plan. Oh, Lord, no. Disciples of Christ, followers of Christ should do what the Christ did. And when you're in that situation, you may not be doing it, but you may feel like you're sweating blood. You may feel like, oh, God, ah. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, but keep coming back to this, Lord, if you tell me to. Which includes, if you tell me to submit to them. If you tell me to stay and do that. If you tell me to help them. Now, now get this. Did Jesus submit with an attitude? Well, I'll do it. <laughs> but I don't understand. I mean... After everything I've done with you, and you can't do this one thing for me? Was there any attitude, any belligerence, any bitterness? Come on, are you listening? Any grudge holding in Jesus' submission to the Father? Why? Because if it had been, it wouldn't be real submission. It'd be you doing it on the outside, but you're not submitting on the inside. That's why it takes faith. See, if you're bitter and negative and all, you know, agitated about it, you're not in faith. If you're in faith, how, come on, you heard this many times around here. How would you know <laughs> you were in faith? Even if you're still wiping the tears from your eyes about making yourself submit, you have hope. Because I'm going to do what God told me to do in this situation. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And whatever it takes, in spite of what anybody else does, God's going to take care of me. 
that's faith in him. Faith based on his love for you. And that's what gives you the power from the inside to submit your will. Turn loose of what you wanted. And yield your will to another. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now let's get to another very important question. I know you've been waiting for this one. Who should submit to whom? Not even an uh huh. <laughs> Who should submit to whom? There is a doctrine I call mutual submission that people try to teach. That we're all just supposed to equally submit to each other. You say, well, Scripture said submit you to one, to one to another. I know it did. But you can't separate that from all the other Scriptures. What's he talking about? He's talking about a spirit throughout the whole body. He's talking about a readiness to submit. But mutual submission doesn't work. Do the Godhead take turns <laughs> submitting to one another? I've had people say, well, husbands and wives, it requires a lot of give and take. Sometimes, you know, the, the wife needs to submit to the husband, but sometimes the husband needs to submit to the wife. Really? Marriage is a type of Christ in the church. Is that right? That's what marriage is supposed to be, is Christ and the church. So the answer to all questions in marriage, you take it right back to that. What should the wife do or not do? Well, what should the church do or not do with the Lord? What should the husband do or not do? Well, what does Jesus, the head of the church, do or not do with the church? All marriage questions are answered by Christ in the church. Does Jesus submit to the church sometimes? <laughs> I'll ask this bunch over here too. Does Jesus submit to the church sometimes? No. I said, well, yeah, and you ain't the perfect Jesus head of the church either. Yeah, and are you the perfect without spot and blemish bride? <laughs> Let's not get into all that. <laughs> Let's understand what submission is. Now, I have a wonderful wife. I have a gift of God. Yes, amen. Those of you that have gotten to know her, been around her, and you know. Not only is she beautiful and amazing and smart, she's godly. She has faith and talents and graces and hears from God and knows how to hear from God and follow God. And I'd be a fool if I didn't listen to what God gives her and says through her. And there have been times, more than once, that I was thinking about doing a certain thing. And she shared some things God had showed her and brought to my attention. And I decided not to do that. Now does that mean I submitted to her? No. That's not submission. That's me having enough sense to hear some good things. When I heard it. Come on are you listening? 
Because at this point now, where's my agreement? My agreement is with hers. I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm saying, yeah, you're right. Am I submitting my will to hers because I don't agree? No. Can you see what we're talking about here? No. And I'm not her Lord, her, the head of the church. Jesus is her Lord, just like he's my Lord and yours. I have a responsibility concerning our marriage, our family, the churches, the ministry. I am the overseer of the faith life churches, these two, and, and more life ministries. Under the great shepherd and under shepherd. That doesn't mean the reason I should be in the leadership of it is because I'm smarter than you in some way or better than you. The only thing that would qualify me for that would be God's choice. Are you listening? His call and the anointing. Come on, can you see that? And that anointing works beyond Keith. I get things I never thought of. I, I know how to do things I would never be able to figure out. And the Lord's given them to me for you. Come on, are you listening? It's coming to me, through me, but I didn't come up with it. And that would be what would qualify me to be the overseer. What qualifies a husband to be the head of the house? It's not because, we, we all know this, that, that men are somehow genetically superior and smarter. We know a lot of our wives in many ways are smarter. And it doesn't mean that you automatically know the most word. Some men, their wives have been saved a lot longer than them, walking with God a lot longer than them. But you know what the wife doesn't have? The anointing to be the head. Just like not everybody in the church would have the anointing to lead the church, the local church. And I know a lot of folks don't, they don't like that. But it's also, if you don't, if you don't embrace that and understand that, you're going to reach an impasse and you'll get to a place you can't get through. Look with me. I think you need a scripture right now. <laughs> Hebrews 13 and 17. Do you believe this is important? Yes. These are things we should already know. And it, it grieves me at times when I see young people and young adults getting married and they imagine that their amazing feelings for each other and their great sex and how attracted they are and these other things is going to be enough to keep them together for the next 70 years and then find out sometimes in six months that they are struggling. You all with me? And what's sad is you got Christians that don't have a clue about what to do. And it's simple. I didn't say it was easy. But the solution is simple. But what you got, you'll have a man. He's not submitting to anybody. Not submitting to his pastor. Don't even have a pastor. He's not submitting to his employer. He's not submitting to this one or that one, to his elders. And you got a wife. 
she absolutely will never submit to him. And you got Junior that's already a juvenile delinquent. And you got Fido that you can't train for anything. <laughs> Won't do anything. You say the spirit of disobedience is blanketed throughout the whole home. And those kind of houses will split and divide. And what about a divided house? It cannot. It is not going to just keep on going year after year. It can't. Could all of that have been avoided? Could it? When God really joined somebody together. Should it not be separated and divided and destroyed? Is there a way to make it through? It is. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. It's when you come to that place, that impasse, and you don't agree and you don't want to do it. You acknowledge, they're over me. Right. A lot of folks are too proud. They're not going to do that. And they'll suffer for it. But I want to be like my master. How about yes, you? I want to be yes, like my sir. master. Yes, sir. And I want to say, yes, sir. That's not what I had in mind. It's not what I wanted to do. But if you say so, yes, Lord. here we go. And not just do it, but do it with a glad heart. Right? right? Do it with some faith. Yes, do it because you know, how many know he's got your best interest at heart? He is looking at, if he tells you to do it, he's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to take something away from you. See, the devil is lying, lying. Oh, if you do that, you'll lose your whole identity. You, you'll lose your freedom. You'll lose your self-confidence and your, 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 you'll lose your, your pride. Yeah. Yeah, you need to die to it. And be like the master. But no. Truth is. You'll find out who you are. Not in you. In Christ. Your confidence will begin to soar. Realizing you're becoming like the master. You're following in his footsteps. You're doing what he did. Hebrews 13, 17 amplified. It said obey who? Your spiritual leaders and do what? Submit to them. Is that widely practiced throughout the church? In the earth? Oh, no. No. There are hundreds of thousands of churches that don't have pastors. They have hirelings. And if they don't do exactly what the deacon board or whoever thinks, they're gone. And they swap them out every couple of years whether you need to or not. Just to shake things up and... And nobody in the place that manages to come has any intent of letting them give them any instructions for life. Give me a pep talk and some social reform ideas. And so these gifts that God has given to the body of Christ are not being employed fully and the full benefits are not being experienced. And you see that right here. Do what? Submit to them. What does it mean to submit to God? It means submit to Him personally. Submit to His Word. Submit to His Holy Spirit. And here's the big one that people have issues with. Submit to the people that He tells you to submit to. Now here's the thing. They don't have to meet your criteria. For whether they are worthy Hmm. of your submission or not. 
Are you going to say he chose them and told you to submit to them, but you, after further personal evaluation, find them unqualified for me to submit to? They're going to be human, and that's their biggest fault is they're like you. And you may not be able to respect and appreciate everything a person over you says and does, but you must respect the place. Or else you don't respect God who gave the place, who appointed. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. For they are doing what? Come on, get this. They are constantly keeping watch over your souls and doing what? Guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable to you either. What does all this mean? After a number of years of pastoring these churches now, Phyllis and I are more and more acutely aware of it. We are supposed to be able to use our faith and the call and anointing in our life to help the people under us. But that is not automatic. And the degree of that help is tied to how much place they give us in their life. There's been situations, emergency situations. Maybe I was on the other side of the country, but I'm able to keep up with things, you know, through the all the stuff that we have. And people say, so-and-so, this just happened. So-and-so, this just happened. And I know immediately they are hooked with us. They have demonstrated that they're hooked and they're submitted. And I know it just comes up in me and fill us. We know we can use our faith. We know we have every right. We can speak. I don't have to wonder, would they agree with this? Are they hooked with this? I know it. And then there are others. I know they unhooked months ago. And I just, I just, I know I don't have a place. You want to do something more. You want to be more involved, but you know you don't have that place in their life. And there are those. The Lord would give us something, and we go to them and and share it with them or get it to them. Why do you know you could talk to them? Because you know they're submitted. You know that place in the heart is there. That respect is there. And there are others, there are things you want to tell them, but you know you can't. All it do is make them mad. All it do is hurt your friendship. You don't have that place in their life. Do you understand this or not? Years ago, the Lord said this to me. He said, my people are not getting the full benefit out of the gifts that I've given them. Because they're not giving them the place in their life that I told them to give them. Why should you submit to any human being? I'm going to give you the number one reason. It's real simple. God told you to. And see, then it becomes beyond them. It becomes beyond how much you think you like them or how, how perfect you think they are or not. It becomes beyond that because you're not just doing it because of them. You're doing it because he told you to. Amen. And your faith's in him. And your love's toward him. 
knowing how much he loves you. I want you to read, listen to this again, the Living Bible. Obey your spiritual leaders and be willing to do what they say. Is this Bible or not? Do most Christians practice any of this? vast majority of folks don't. Their work is to watch over your souls. God will judge them on how well they do this. But I'm not, learning from this and other scriptures, I'm not responsible for everybody in this regard equally. I am responsible, Phyllis and I, to believe God, set an example, provide leadership. I mean, just take this meeting right here. The Lord specifically directed me years ago to have a marriage meeting every year. And I told all of our people, the Lord directed me, have it, come, this is important. Set aside your schedule, do this. There are at least hundreds of people that call this their church that are not here tonight. Which proves Phyllis and I don't have that place in their life. They won't do what we ask them to do. Is it my job to berate and try to make anybody and say, now you're going to do this. I'm such and such and you're going to do No, 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 no. That's one of the three we talked about. What submission is not, right? Jesus is not the good cowboy. He doesn't drive the herd. What is he? Come on, what is he? He's the good. What does the shepherd do? The shepherd says, hey, got some good pasture and water right over here. You're going to love it. Come on, come on, let's go. Come on. Come on, let's go. And then what's left up to the sheep? And sometimes the shepherd may say, let's go this way. And the sheep go, huh? Yeah. But then what's it time to do? It's time to submit. Is that right? And come on and go this way. But the Lord's not going to make the sheep follow. And a good shepherd's not going to try to make the sheep follow. It's our job to just keep on leading. And hold the standard and keep on believing in anybody that's supposed to be hooked, that will, they'll receive more and more benefits than people who don't or who are unwilling to. But you've got to overcome your own personal pride. And we've had multiple generations that don't even know what church is supposed to be. Just come and say hallelujah, but no, don't. you're going to try to tell me what to do in my life? Preacher, you need to mind your own business. And believe me, we got plenty to do without sticking our nose in your business unnecessarily. I have no interest in knowing all the details. And I want you to learn how to be led by the Spirit for yourself. But there are some things He gives through those He's put over you that you can't, that you won't get any other way. Because part of this is because He wants us to overcome our own flesh and pride and grow and learn how to do this. If you never submit to a man or woman, you never submit to God either. It's just a fact. Obey your spiritual leaders. This is fun, isn't it? Submit to them. Reckon you should? Why? Because they have a responsibility concerning you, and you don't want us sad because we can't do more with that responsibility. You want us to be glad. Help me to get this out clearer, Lord. This is your safety net. Many Christians are working without a net. What happens when you fall without a net? Years ago, 
I began to be concerned because I had read in history about many other ministers that had been mightily used of God and yet got off at the end of their life and just went way off and got into wrong doctrine and all kind of stuff and died young and died wrong. And in studying some of this, I realized these people really knew God. They've experienced some things I've never experienced in God. And they were smart. They were brilliant. And if they couldn't keep from getting off, how can I keep from getting off? It began to concern me because I began to realize they knew as much or more word than I know or may know. They're brilliant. They're this, they're that. What's, what's the difference? Are we still talking about some of the same thing? Why would some make it when others didn't? And I didn't know. And it troubled me. I wanted to find out. And I remember one day laying on my face praying in a little speaker's room there at Ramah. The Lord, there was one individual that had impacted my life that had been dead many years, but actually my grandmother my, and great-grandmother got healed in their ministry and, and some things that, and, and, and yet they had gotten off at the end. And, and the Lord brought him to me and he brought some things to my mind. He said, I tried to tell him. I sent people to him. I sent his peers. I sent his elders to him. And he refused to listen. And I began to see it. And the Lord said this to me. It's etched in my heart forever. He said, your humility is your protection from deception. Your pride, and of course a companion of pride is rebellion. Your pride makes you vulnerable to being deceived. But your humility is your protection from deception. He said, son, you don't have to be concerned. I told you I'd never leave you nor forsake you. You need help. I will send you help. If you get confused, if you get off, if you fall down, I will pick you up. If you don't see it, I will say it to you. If you're not getting it, I'll turn the volume up. If you're still not getting it, I'll send three people by and they'll say, Keith. He said, the question is, anybody know what the question is? Will you listen? Will you listen? And will you humble yourself? And will you be teachable? And will you receive it? Somebody say safety net. This is your safety net. When I was two years in the ministry, green as could be, working at Brother Hagin's ministry, there were some things got started in town there. I won't go into the detail, but man, they were, they were flamboyant and they were, I thought it was God. Looked like God to me. They had scripture for it. And it looked like the amazing manifestations of power that we had all been hungry for and looking for. And I was involved going to the meetings and, and my friends were. Brother Hagen at that time was teaching personally in the healing school in the afternoons there at Raymond, where I was helping as a volunteer. And he began to teach on some things. He never called anybody's name or, or said anything contrary to them. But I, over the course of a few days, I realized he don't agree with all that. He doesn't believe in all that. And it bothered me because I'm thinking, well, now hold on, they got scripture for it. And I have to go with the scriptures, I don't care what a man says. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, now that sounds good, don't it? But what is submission about? Well, it's when you don't agree. 
I listened. He taught on it for two weeks, every day, Monday through Friday. And as he did, I sat there and I thought, hold on now. <laughs> He's already seen some things like this. He's already experienced some things. And he went and told about three different things he got involved in and found out later it wasn't God. And the Lord helped me to sit there and go, well, now hold on, he's been in the ministry at that time, 40-something years. He's had multiple visitations of the head of the church. And my whole directive for ministry is help Brother Hagen. That's what the Lord <laughs> sent me here to do. And if he's wrong, I guess we'll find out later. But I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm getting myself out of that. And I'm submitting to him. Come on, are you listening? And I'll be honest with you. I thought he might be wrong on some things. And guess what I found out? In less than two years. Boy how right he was. And it wasn't how right he was. It was how right the Holy Spirit was. In him. And I was spared from embarrassment. I was spared from getting exposed to some wrong spirits. Come on are you listening to me? I was spared. But it wasn't because I saw it. Because at the time I did not see it. In fact I thought he might be wrong. But what's it time to do? Come on, help me out. What's it time to do? It's time. What did the Lord tell you to do? He told me to go and help that man. That he's over, and I know he's over me. And I can see, at first I didn't know that, but now I see. He doesn't agree with that. He didn't call any names. He didn't publicly say anything against anybody. But it's very obvious if you're listening. And so I said, well, I'm putting that on hold. I'm getting out of that. And Lord, if it's you, you have to show me later, but I, I know you told me to do this. And so I submitted myself. Oh. And that didn't happen just once. In the course of 20 years, it happened more than once. Not every day, not every week, not even every year. But we're human. And we don't know everything. And, you know, especially when you hit those teenage years, you get to thinking you know a little something. And see, spiritually, that can happen just like it does naturally. Spiritually, you can hit the teenage years. <laughs> How many people just naturally speaking can say, I should have listened more to mama and daddy. What should have happened? You should have submitted. It was there. This is not happenstance. God has these things in place for protection. Yes. It's our net in case we get off and we're not seeing it clear enough and we're too ignorant and too immature to discern it ourselves. God will use, if we'll listen, our elders and leaders and they'll say, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Stay over here. And it may make you mad and it may stir you up, but you need to do what Jesus did and say, not my will, but your will be done. I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be under you. So here I go. And you'll see again and again, the Lord spared you. He saved you. He helped you out. Hallelujah. How many want to be spared from catastrophe and destruction and, and loss? Real quickly. Who did the Lord tell you to submit to? Can you take notes? You need to write these things down. I'm going to move through them fairly quickly. While I'm thinking about it, 
Remember we read our chapters during this week of the marriage meeting? You read two chapters in Song of Solomon each night, and you read 1 Corinthians 13 one time, each night or day, whatever. The next four days, husbands and wives, I'm talking about specifically, uh, read two chapters in the Song of Solomon. If you might say, well, how come? Well, uh, just do it. <laughs> Let's practice what we're talking about right here tonight. Read it in, is it the inspired word of God? Then pray before you read it, husbands and wives, and say, Lord, open this up to us and minister to us about husbands and wives. And read it in faith. And then read 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. Read that every day. Everybody clear? Two chapters, Song of Solomon, next four days, and also 1 Corinthians 13, uh, next four days. And let God minister this to us. Okay, who did God say to submit to? Number one, you submit to God. His word, his spirit. James 4, 7, Hebrews 12, 9. Other places, James 4, 7, Hebrews 12, 9. Number two, we are to bring our body and our mind our feelings, our desires into subjection to our own spirit. You're to submit, bring your body, Paul said 1 Corinthians 9, 27, into subjection. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 talks about your mind bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Make that mind submit. Subject it. Subject that body. To your spirit. Thirdly, children are to submit to and obey their parents. Luke 2.51. 1 Timothy 3 and 4. You find it in Ephesians. Number four. Wives are to submit to their husbands. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Ephesians 5.22 through 24. Colossians 3.18, 1 Timothy 2.11 and 12. You can also find this on the internet after the service tonight. <laughs> Titus 2.5, 1 Peter 3.1 through 5. Why am I saying all this? You can go with the thinking of the world or you can do what the Lord told you. If the Lord told you submit to these people, what should you do? Do they have to qualify and meet your criteria? No. He told you to submit to them. Even if they do some things that are wrong. Even if they miss it on some things. Respect that place. Fifthly, the younger are to submit to the elder. Other verses here talk about spiritual elders as well. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. 1 Corinthians 16.15 and 16. Hebrews 13 and 15. Younger, submit to the elder. You know, that's one area you'll never catch up with your elders in. That's experience. They got started before you did. And again, God has them in your life as a safety. They'll see and discern things because of their experience and previous experiences that you're not putting together yet. And if you'll just listen, you'll be spared and saved. 
Somebody said out loud, for your own protection. (laughs) This is for your own protection. Sixth, employees are to submit to employers. True or not? Ephesians 6 5, Colossians 3 22, 1 Timothy 6 1, Titus 2 9, 1 Peter 2 18. What are employees supposed to do? Will you always agree? No. No. And when you don't agree, it's time to do what you're told with a happy face. (laughs) If you're working for them, it's not yours. It's theirs. Do it their way. Now, if you you think maybe you'll have one like it someday, then you can be making mental notes. I'm not going to do it like that when I have mine. But how many that did happen, and you got a revelation later on (laughs) that there was a reason you didn't know about why they were doing it that way. Wound up doing it the same way. And seventh, citizens are to submit to their civil leaders. Not much of a response on that, huh? (laughs) Romans 13, 1 through 5. Titus 3, verse 1. 1 Peter 2, 13. And others. We're told to submit to civil authority. Now, you know, in any one of these that we're told to submit to somebody, if they try to usurp something the Lord said plainly in His Word, we can't submit to that. We can't rebel against the Lord to follow them. You understand what I'm saying? But most of the time, that's not the case. And if civil authorities pass a law that we can't pray, or we can't read our Bible, come on, are you listening to me? We can't submit to that. They're contradicting the head of the church himself. But otherwise, regardless of what we think or our preference, we're told to Submit not only to the good, but also to the froward. You know what froward is? Frowards, yeah, contrary. Hard to take. Mean. But we're making progress now, aren't we? Let me give you the good news. And we'll be closed for the evening. And then Phyllis can make us happy tomorrow evening. Philippians 2. The husbands need to submit to those over them. Wives need to submit to those over them. Children need to submit. Citizens need to submit. Employees need to submit. Come on, can you see this? Younger need to submit. And we know the world's not doing this. And they think it's oppression and loss of identity. But we're not going the way of the world. Where our minds are being renewed to think like the master. Function like him. And if you do, Philippians 2 and 8, Philippians 2 and 8, it says, being found in fashion as a man, Jesus did what? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to think about this. Jesus could allow them to crucify him at Golgotha because he had already crucified his flesh at Gethsemane. Yes. How did he manage not to call for legions of angels? 
when all of that was happening. The scourging, the crucifixion, because he already got that settled. Come on, can you see this? Before they came and took it, it was already settled. What? I'm going to do what the Father told me to do. That's it. If this is what it takes, this is what it takes. And so he submitted himself and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Come on, tell me what happened after that. What happens when you humble yourself, when you crucify your flesh? When you make yourself, I mean, sometimes, yeah, I mean, tears may be rolling down your face. You may be all, you know, all these feelings, and you just need to stand up and talk to your flesh and say, die, just die, just die. Yeah, but I always, I know, shut up and die, I know. I always wanted to, and I always planned to, and, I was, and it should have been, and it could have shut up and just die already. Does it need to be crucified? Why? Because there's pride in that. And there's selfishness. And, and, and it's, you being your own Lord stuff in that. Yeah. And the only way to prove that you're not your own Lord is to die to your own way and submit your will to another's will. And when you do, same thing that happened with the Master will happen to you. God has highly exalted him. Will he raise you up? When you humble yourself before him, when you yield yourself to him, will grace flow to you like water? You'll begin to see things you've never seen before. You'll be glad it worked out this way. You didn't realize before that how proud you were, how much was hindering God using you. You didn't realize how much limitations there were till you had to deal with this thing. And in this humbling of yourself, in this submitting of your will, taking your place, I mean, put your nose in the carpet. Go as low as you can go. You know what you'll meet there? You'll meet the kindness of the Father. It'll move him towards you. I said it'll move him towards you. Didn't he say God gives more grace? His grace will reach you. It'll flow to you. It'll touch you. What'll happen afterwards is you'll begin to find out why he wanted you to do that. Why did he want Jesus to do that? Was there a reason? I said, was there a reason? Was it worth what Jesus went through? Was it? Was it? What did the Father have in mind? He wasn't trying to hurt Jesus. He wasn't trying to take anything. What did he have in mind? He had in mind him being the height of the high. Hallelujah. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, exalted far above every name that's named. Right? But in order to get there, Jesus had to go down and humble himself and lay himself out and say, I yield my will to yours. And we're not above the master. I said we're not above the master. If that's the way he made it through the toughest places in his life. That's the way we'll make it through the toughest places in our life. But did you hear we will make it? Did you hear that part? We will make it. Stand on your feet everybody. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.